he's, he's immediately becoming uncomfortable. He's immediately trying to shut down the conversation. You know, you shouldn't, we, we shouldn't have been talking about, th- about this, right? And what you're saying, you're actually, you're racist. Yeah. I'm not a racist. You're, you're like, no one's even talking to you, mate. Like, no one's literally saying, nobody. No one said you were a racist, right? So that's a bit of a red flag for me. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a white man too, and I don't have people constantly telling me that I'm racist and sexist in my personal life. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so if he's saying that people are always calling him and saying these things to him, that's a problem. Maybe, maybe he has. Maybe there's some some truth there, well, mate. Or, or or maybe he's like. I think maybe also he could be like linking himself to. So he gets offended every time anyone says Australians are racist. Yeah, every time anyone so says like, white people are racist, he's like himself to like the collective white identity or whatever, and saying, "Oh, you can't be critical of like white people generally because then that's being critical of me because I'm white and that's racist." Welcome to another episode of the Bias Reality Podcast. That is your host, Orwell. It's Eddie. And today we're joined by three different people. Uh, we've got Promise back again. Hi, guys. How you doing? Um, we've also got, I'm going to get them to introduce themselves, Imogen. Hey, guys. I'm Imogen. Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, I work for the Department of Communities and Justice. Um, I have a law degree and I'm really interested in like social justice issues. Interesting. We've got another law person on here. Esther was here last week. There we go. Yeah. Mm. Two, two weeks in a row. And we also have a Dave. Hi. Give us a little spiel. Who yeah, are you? Um, social worker, youth worker. Yeah. Dad. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Because I look, I look, I look much younger than like. Yeah. yeah, you, you, don't don't have that. you don't have that father look about you. No, I have the dad, I have the dad bo- bod look. <laughs> you know, I said, look at his face. He doesn't look like a father. Mm. You know what they say? Why don't crack? Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Okay. <laughs> I'm wearing makeup. That's why you can't see. Mm. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. Um, today. As we said on the last episode, we're going to be talking about white privilege. You know, pretty interesting topic. Something that has caused a lot of fights on the internet for a very long time. But um, as usual, before we, you know, jump into the whole thing, we like to start at the very beginning, you know, the crux of the matter. And that is, what is white privilege to you guys? Mm. Um... Again, just like last week, I'm not looking up any dictionary definitions, but my understanding... What's fine, Ernesto? Yeah. <laughs> my understanding of white privilege is those societal advantages provide... Those unwritten societal advantages provided to people with, you know, a fair skin color that is, you know, that's very easy to miss. However, that continues to define stereotypes and expectations within society. Interesting, interesting. Um, anyone else? Well, like, I think that um, privilege, a lot of people, like, get confused about this topic, a lot of white people, sorry, um, because, like, as we were kind of discussing before this, um, privilege is often assumed to be, like, I don't know, like a trust fund or, like, a private school. Mm. But, like, in this conversation, we're talking about privilege in that, like, you can do basic mundane activities in, like, your everyday life 
and a lot of it like won't be an issue for you. Like for as simple as like getting pulled over by the police and not having to worry about like whether or not you get arrested for something or like things like that or like even going to the airport for an international flight and only having to go there two hours before. You know, that's a privilege that a lot of white people just totally take for granted. So I think like my understanding of privilege is kind of that avenue of things. I don't know if you want to add anything to that. Yeah, um, I sort of agree with, with both um, people already. I wrote like a bit like Esther. I decided to write my own definition just so I would like nail it because I don't know. I feel like it is a complex concept, right? And it's it's it easy to sort of like say, Oh, white privilege is this. And then like someone could just come back at you and be like, but what about this? Right. Because it's just facets to it. So I tried to encompass as much of that as I could. So I wrote, it's a deliberate historical and ongoing process of systemic, political, economic, social, and cultural advantage for white people over indigenous peoples and peoples of color in Western countries. So I wow. sort of deliberately constructed that because I think that it's easy to conceptualize white privilege as something that just sort of is a little bit benign and it just sort of happens, right? Mm. It's just like a thing that's happening in society, but there's nobody that's sort of like perpetuating it or actively sort of doing it, but it's a deliberate it, it, it has been a deliberate historical process and that has led to the accumulation of advantages. So it's not just that, you know, somebody could be advantaged in a social situation in 2020, like as if there was no historical background to that. Yep. But it's like the reason why white privilege exists on like an economic level is because historically there have been things like policies and practices of governments and, you know, our culture and things like that that have actually privileged white people to be able to, for example, accumulate more wealth than other people. And that's an all, like, you know, through discrimination practices about, you know, bank loans or, you know, government, you know, loans or stimulus packages and things like that. And the effect of that is, is sort of intergenerational. So it's not just that, like, you're experiencing advantage now. It's like your parents experienced it too and their parents, and then that's all accumulated over time. And I think that to have that perspective makes it beyond just like an advantage that I'm experiencing, it's actually a legacy of advantages. Yeah. Now, that's, it's very interesting that you mentioned that as well, because one of the things that I've noticed whenever, you know, I speak to other people about this particular topic of white privilege, is you have people who are sort of like, you know, and denial about the fact that white privilege does exist. And one of the things that I find keeps getting mentioned is, okay, cool, like, you know, there are all these things set up for black people. You know, black people get hired because of, you know, they have to have this cultural, you know, there's always that diversity quota. You know, black people, there are all these scholarships that people of color can get over white people. There are all these other things. But people don't usually stop to think about, you know, historically what has happened. Why are these things actually in place? Right. I also think people forget to realize that a lot of these scholarships and things that are created, that's like a white solution. So that's created by like a majority white government that's been like, hey, the way that we can solve all your problems is like, we'll give you this like special grant. Mm. And you know, like these are all white solutions to, especially with like the indigenous community, like our solution, sorry, white people's solution was to shut down communities and move them to, you know, like more urban areas. And like, that's like not gonna solve their cultural identity exactly 
Um, I don't have anything to add. Uh, I don't think you can go, I mean, far. I don't think I can better much of what Dave has said so far. I mean, it's pretty much broken the whole thing down. But if there's anything I'll add in terms of white privilege, it's more, you know, benefits that, you know, people enjoy as a result of being white. Um, it could be based on stereotypes and whatnot. And, you know, some people don't grasp it. I'm not saying it's an excuse for it because I think with privilege, it's um, something you don't know when you have it sometimes. Um, but if you don't have it, then you know that you don't have it. You see yeah. someone else benefiting from it. But if you have it yourself, sometimes you you don't know about it until, I mean, someone obviously points it out to you. Yeah. No, that, that, that's interesting as well, yeah. Because... Um what you said just then, you know, if you have it, it's usually like lost. You just like, you yeah. don't pay attention to it until someone brings that to your notice, kind of. But I think when it comes to white privilege as well, a lot of time, it's more about, you know, what you don't have than what you actually like do have. And um, one of those things that um, I guess people talk about in terms of white privilege is like you have people talking about, okay, cool, like, I wasn't part of, you know, all this stuff that historically happened. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. It has nothing to do with me. I, I'm experiencing struggles the same as you, yada, yada, yada. But then, like you said in your definition, historically, sure, I didn't do, you weren't part of that, but just by your skin color, being white, you get to experience, you, you get to, you know, get all these benefits that someone else, a person of color, wouldn't necessarily get purely based on skin color. So even though you have your own hardships, none of those hardships are actually because of your skin color. Um, moving on to like you know, the, like the discussion part of this, the first question I wanted to ask, and that's something I've sort of just touched on now, is um, with white privilege, why is it one of those things that is difficult for a lot of white people to grasp? Uh, look, I think the thing is, you know, when some of these issues, like you know, as much as they're blatant social issues that we you know, should be able to realize without being told is sometimes people interpret it a certain way. Like, for instance, um, when you there are a lot of white people who, you, when you talk to them about white privilege, their response they go straight on the defensive because mm -hmm. the interpretation of that is that everything they have is not because they've worked hard for it, it's not because they've done anything to deserve it, it they, they only have those things because they're white, and that's how they. they some people interpret these things and it's hard for them to then sit there and go yes okay i have white privilege because they are thinking hang on i've i went to school just like you did i you know applied for jobs just like you did i now have a job just like you do why am i why are you suddenly saying that all oh, this happened just because i'm white but not because of the effort i put into it but the point that some people miss is that okay as a non-white person and as a white person it's probably easier to go to school it's easier to apply for a job and you know you don't run the risk of an employer just looking at your name and figuring, figuring out that you're not white and chucking your resume in the bin you, you know those little things that you know goes with it like they don't re they're like it, they don't take into consideration because at the end of the day like and I understand sometimes I do empathize with some people in the sense that you go I've you know I've hustled to be where I am today but they missed that point of your hustle was a little bit easier because, you know, you didn't have to go through any stereotype. You didn't have to go through any, like you were given the benefit of doubt because you're white. You know, you were everything that, you know, everything that you have is not because, you know, you, you're a certain skin color, but, you know, you, you probably worked hard for it. But at the same time, it's easier for you to work hard and achieve goals 
because of the color of your skin. And that's that, that's that difficult concept of, that's that difficulty in grasping the idea that you have societal advantages because of your skin color. For instance, you know, there was a, a long time ago and then there was an experiment done. This was in America, not in Australia. Was where, that the Jane Elliott one? No, this is the one where um, the same resumes were sent to the same company mm. with different names. But the people with the white sounding names got responses, positive responses compared to the people with ethnic names. And again, that's another example. You know, you know you're a white man, I'm a black man, we can have the same degrees, but I could, we could both submit our resumes, but the employer can go, oh, this sounds ethnic, I'm going gonna, 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 gonna to call Dave Smith before I call you know, this other person who's got all these hit, like apostrophes around his name. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's that privilege that comes with being white. That's, you know, the ability to go to the shop and people wouldn't assume uh, that you may steal something. No one is going to be monitoring you. Yeah. No one's going to be following you around, you know, except, you know, in the, except they've caught you in the past. Like, then they're just going to assume all these white kids are going to come here, get his things and pay for it and leave. That same right is not afforded to indigenous Australians where sometimes they're just, as soon as they walk into the shop, Okay, they might still let's follow them around sneakily. Let's you know ask them to show them. Let's ask to see their bags. Let's you know there was a time, for instance, um, I'll, this was maybe three years ago now. You know, we live in Canberra. Like just I, from last week's topic, when we we're talking about oh, Canberra is not racist. <laughs> we went to Woolies. I was with my mom. We you know there was, was Woolies, and across the road from Woolies, there's this like vegetable store, and some vegetables in that store they don't have a Woolies. So we went to that store first bought the vegetables we bought, put in the bag, and then we came to Woolies, put that bag in the trolley. We got grocery shopping of almost over $200. We were at the counter to pay for this grocery shopping. We paid for the shopping. Then this lady at the counter was like, oh, what's in that bag? I want to see it. And then there was a guy behind us who was like, do you think they're going to steal that and then buy all these things? Like, why are you asking to see that bag? You obviously, it's obviously something you probably don't sell here. You can see it's, tied in a different container, you know, why do you have to embarrass these people just, you know, and the lady stood there with no response. She was like, oh, it's just, it's top policy. I want to see that bag. And luckily this person defending us was white. So he was just like, so many people have gone past and you have not actually seen their bag. Why are you asking to see this bag? And it's just those little things that you would not have to experience if you're not a certain skin color. Again, it's not, you know, it's not your fault that you're white. It's not your fault that this privilege is afforded to you. The issue is people don't realize that it's okay to acknowledge that something is a problem without being the cause of the problem. Okay. And it's that, you know, it's that fine line that two things can be right at once without anyone being the villain. And that's that difficulty in grasping the concept that you can both be white and acknowledge that you are privileged yeah. without diminishing the hard work you've put into be where you are. Can I ask you a question about that? Yeah. Do you, because I was thinking about this question, I was thinking, I, I don't know if the phrase itself is is a problem as well, like the white privilege phrase. Oh, yes, yes. It's yes. like it creates, it's like, um, and I was thinking about it, I was thinking like about homophobia, right, and the phrase homophobia mm. and how having had arguments with people who are homophobic about stuff that they've said, they say, oh, I'm not homophobic because I'm not afraid of gay people, okay. right? You're and talking so they, technically. They take yeah. the word really literally. literally you know, yeah. They're like, oh, you know, homophobia means this, right? Mm. And I think like, with, not that I like, I'm just saying we should junk the word of white privilege, but I think one of the, the facets of why it's hard for people to grasp is that if you don't want to grasp it, 
right? If you feel uncomfortable, which a lot of white people do feel uncomfortable talking about their identity and what whiteness is, and if that could mean that they have some advantage for being white or whatever, that's uncomfortable for a lot of white people. So then you say white privilege, saying like privilege, like you were talking about how some people say, well, I work for everything that I got. Where's my privilege? I'm white. I'm poor or, you know, whatever. And so the fact that you were using this phrase, Mm. it's sort of creating a really easy out for Mm -hmm. some people to get defensive, but then also to be in denial about white privilege because they don't feel privileged. I feel like with white privilege, though, going back to your example of homophobia, with white privilege, that's one word. That's one thing that you can take as literal as you want. Mm. White privilege. Privilege based on being white. But um, at the same time, I feel like going back to what you said, Mm. one of the, like, main reasons people don't grasp that is more of a lack of understanding of what the word privilege means. Of course. Like, people's, people hear the word privilege and, like Promise initially said, they all of a sudden go, but I've worked hard yeah. to get to where I am. They don't understand that. Privilege doesn't just mean everything's been handed to you. Privilege in itself is just those little things, you know, just not having to think about all those things that Promise mentioned, walking out of your house and not even having to think that for the remainder of these 24 hours... I'm just going to go go about, live my life, do what I need to do. I don't need to think about, oh, why is this person doing this? Why is this happening? Just things that you never th- have to think about based on your skin color. And that's where, as soon as you mention privilege, mm. no one thinks about that side. It's all, oh, crap, I've worked hard. You know, I have struggles too. But I, but I feel like the, the second definition that you're using of privilege, I feel like that's not the mainstream definition of the word privilege. I think the mainstream definition of the word privilege is actually the first one which is about, you know, wealth and benefit and things like that. And I think that's the problem that people have grasping, not like the only reason why people have trouble with the concept, but language-wise, it's like white privilege is implying that, you know, there's a certain level of advantage yeah, and I'm- some white people don't, don't feel that advantage, right? So mm-hmm. then that gives them that opportunity to be like, oh, I'm not advantaged. And that's, that's the word I was going to use, advantage. Mm-hmm. Like, or privilege. Like entitlement. Exactly. Like privilege is you have an advantage. That advantage does not necessarily need to be wealth. It doesn't necessarily have to be like, you know. But you just by being white in itself, that is an advantage. Of and course. that's the thing that a lot of people don't want. Like you said, a lot of people are not comfortable talking about, you know, their whiteness. Yeah. Because if we're talking purely advantage, just being white, especially knowing, you know, historically, like everything that's happened like racially. As a white person, you know, like, just by being white, that is an advantage in today's society. Like, we live in a society, you know, that is very, like, racial. Like, a lot of things happen, you know, based on, or have happened, you know, based on race. A lot of things have happened where people, like, a lot of things are characterized, you know, based on racial inequality and stuff like that. And to then think that you don't have an advantage just by being white when it is all over it's in the media it's everywhere it's all over you that's kind of like but is it though like do you think people what do you think white people really see that yeah like, like I, I know th- you could see it but mm. do you think white people really see that i think so i think a lot of people are in denial yeah it, it, okay. it's like you see when, when like and you know going back to your topic sometimes when i try to talk to people about this i try to avoid the word white when i'm talking about it because as soon as you mention as soon as you mention white and privilege defensive like it, yeah, there's that, the, like, straight away they, they, they go on the defensive. Sometimes it's easier to get into that topic where you just say 
privilege. And it's just the same thing, like, like just because acknowledging that you have a certain level of, like you have certain levels of privileges because of your skin color doesn't suddenly mean you're racist. The yeah. same, just, just like being a male, I know societies have, have afforded men a lot of privileges that we don't talk about. But for instance, I can go clubbing and not worry about how I'm going to get home if someone's going to harass me sexually. Mm. And I can acknowledge that. And it doesn't mean it's a male privilege. I know it, it is a thing. It's like I don't go as a guy. I don't go out thinking about certain things, and it doesn't suddenly mean I'm sexist. It just means that as a guy, you I am privilege. aware enough to know that these are privilege. I don't. I, 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 I'm never worried about being in the club and someone randomly just groping me. Those are things that girls, you know, sometimes even because of how much you think about it, that, you know, goes into what they're going to wear. What, like, you know, I'm going to this type of place. Am I going to wear? Like, I'm deviating from the topic a little bit. But I'm just trying to guess, no, bring a different perspective to explain yeah. this issue because it's very easy to become, to get on the defensive. And, you know, when sometimes people say certain things and, like, you know, I sit there and I just, I don't have to think about this because I'm not female. I don't have to worry about that. That's a privilege. Yeah. It doesn't suddenly mean that it's my fault. It doesn't suddenly mean that, like you know, I'm some sort of I'm a problem because I there are certain things that people have to think about that I don't have to think about. And that's the thing when it comes to when it comes to white privilege. It is a privilege. It's not your fault that you that you afforded that privilege. It's just the fact that society has been for so many years and shaped in a certain way that white people are viewed to be better than every other race. And because of that. There are advantages that you could, by default, you'll be afforded without people, without even realizing that you're afforded those, you know, advantages. And it doesn't mean you're suddenly a, pro- a problem. It just means that that's that's the way it is. And it doesn't mean that you you don't deserve where you need to be. It doesn't mean that you have not worked hard to achieve what you need to achieve. It just means that getting there was slightly easier for you because of this privilege, of that privilege. I agree with everything you said. Can I just clarify my point of view? Because I feel like yeah. people think maybe that I'm thinking a different thing to what I'm thinking. That, that's okay. <laughs> it's okay to think differently, man. Yeah. I, I guess, <laughs> I'm, trying to, I guess yeah. I'm trying to be a bit of a devil's advocate. Yeah, no, yeah, of course. Um, yeah. But I think that everything you said is, is true. But I think that some people, some white people struggle with understanding and grasping my privilege because society doesn't actually want them to understand. And I think that the ideology that is at play in our society, it sort of creates an environment where the idea that you would understand that there's some advantage to being white is sort of like covered up. But don't you right? think that like being ignorant to that fact is white privilege in itself? Like of if course. you're not it critical is. of like the way that the media is representing something or if you're not like aware of the fact that other people have to go through like extensive amount of struggle because of the colour of their skin, like that's white privilege, the fact yeah. that you're not paying attention to that. Yeah. I read something yesterday, and I've, this is me paraphrasing. It said um, the biggest trick of white privilege is convincing everyone that it doesn't exist. And I think that goes back to what you were saying, where it's just, just the fact that you don't have to think about that, the fact that you can sit and be like, white privilege does not exist, that in itself is white privilege. That in itself yeah. is privilege. Because the people on the other side of the spectrum who actually have to experience it, who actually see these things, they, they don't have that luxury. They can't be like, oh, it doesn't exist. So, but, but then does that mean that we're saying that white people don't understand white privilege because of white privilege? Like, we, we, need, we need to try and understand why they don't grasp it, right? And that's what I'm yeah. trying to bring up ideology because mm. I feel like ideology is a reason, right? So ideology, like you could say white supremacist ideology, right? So yeah. if you're going to bring back like an historical 
bent on the discussion, right? You could go back to like scientific racism and like the whole, the whole idea that race was constructed by Europeans, right, as a concept mm. in like the 18th century or whatever. And then at the same time as they constructed the concept of race, like scientific race, biological race, they also constructed a racial hierarchy in which white people were at the top. Mm-hmm. So they sort of like, from that point forward, they started talking about race and applying these like taxonomies or like hierarchies with different people, different based on their skin color. And that ideology then was like ingrained into their culture and into all their values and philosophies and then carried forward into colonialism and imperialism and, you know, to all these societies, upheld slavery and all these kinds of things. And that ideology is still in our, in our culture, in our society, right? And that's tied into white privilege and the accumulated advantage that white people have had over time economically and socially and all these kinds of things. And so I think it's like... The reason why people don't understand white privilege isn't just because, oh, like, you know, they're ignorant and that's white privilege too, Mm. because that doesn't actually explain it. It's because, like you said, white privilege, like, society doesn't want white people to get it, Mm. right? Because Mm. if white people start getting white privilege as a concept, then white privilege as a concept gets undermined, right? And so things start getting challenged. And I don't think that the dominant society that we have wants that to change yeah. because it, it actually gives people advantages and there are definitely some people that don't want to give up those advantages mm. I agree with that also but another thing that I think um, I've noticed in terms of people understanding white privilege is that again going back to that word when people hear white privilege I feel like a lot of people they have this mindset that okay because it's a privilege I should somehow feel guilty about it Yeah, yeah. and then that's where you go but like I like why am I I didn't ask for it mm. I I work hard for my shit why should I feel guilty but people people need to understand the fact that no one's asking you to be guilty about something and that's for no one's asking you to like you know come out and be like oh every time you see a black person oh I'm sorry that you know I have white privilege <laughs> no one no one's telling you to do that <laughs> just acknowledge you know, yeah. just yeah. So, so long as you understand the fact that you have white privilege so long as you un- understand your privilege and understand the fact that there are other people out there who do not get to go through life who do not get to cruise through life with these advantages purely based on skin and that's one thing I feel like people just you know skirt around it's like oh why should I be guilty about the f- something I didn't ask for yeah, well, like, personally, like I do feel uh, like guilty. I don't know about you, but like I do feel like a sense of guilt, like just because of history. I feel responsibility. Yeah. More than guilt. Well, I I don't know. Like, I feel like I don't know. Like, just using like a movement as an example, like um, the Black Lives Matter movement. I feel like like I have so much passion to get involved in something like that, but I think. Like, you always have to remember that as a white person, when you walk into a movement like that, you will never be considered genuine mm. um, because, like, obviously, history. And so I think it's something that, like, I don't know, I really struggle with it. I don't know about you, but I just feel, like, guilty. Yeah, I think, like I said, I think responsibility more than guilt, and I think that's something that white people need to take on, um, which is responsibility. So like what you were talking about in what Promise was talking about in um, the supermarket, that white person is like using their white privilege basically yeah. Yeah. to For challenge that other person. Yeah, yeah. That other white person to say, yeah. "Hey, that's not right." Yeah. Right, and so that's sort of like a form of, I guess you could say, allyship yeah. or yeah. whatever, and that's an important thing that people need to do um, in terms of the whole guilty responsibility thing there's another concept um, called white fragility Mm -hmm. have people heard of this concept 
do you want to explain so that? yeah so white fragility promise kind of referred to it a little bit i think we all understand what it is if i start explaining it you'll understand very quickly what i'm talking about and yeah, we've already more started. for the listeners yeah you know well. of course yeah. yeah yeah so white fragility is basically that idea that white people get extremely uncomfortable when the concept of whiteness is analyzed or put forward right and they can't deal with like even the softest sort of criticism and then it becomes like what you were talking about um all i was talking about in terms of oh but like is that are you saying that i'm racist or are you saying that i'm responsible or are you saying do you know what i mean and then it's like you get really emotional about it and then you try and shut down the conversation Right, and and then we don't make any progress. We can't talk about race. We can't talk about white privilege or whatever because then it's like are you trying to say that I'm racist. You know what I mean? And I think that that can also come out in terms of guilt and things like that as well. And people can think that you're trying to make them feel guilty about being white, and you see that online all the time, right? If you read Facebook discussions or whatever, um, if anyone's ever critical, if like a black person or a person of color brings up a racist. Point, like, like a point of view about race like hey this is a bit racist or whatever all of a sudden you'll see like white people just like dogpiling on into that conversation and getting defensive and trying yeah. to shut down the conversation yeah yeah it's, it's that idea like you know you can acknowledge that something is racist without you being racist you can yes. acknowledge that something is sexist without you yeah like it's the, the bottom line is it's, it's hard for people to be aware about something they don't really have to think about like you, you know, like you know, like like Owa was saying, like when you go about your day, there are certain things that you would have to worry that he would have to worry about that you probably don't even it, like. It doesn't, it, it wouldn't really cross your mind. And then sometimes when you're confronted by those facts, it's very easy to be defensive and go, "Well, I, 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 I didn't do any of this thing. I, I'm for this, but it's not my fault that I am. And if I can afford you the same rights, I would. But you know, it's not in my position. So why am I? Why should I be responsible? And, you know, so it's like, it, like it's, it's one of those things where it's easy to be ignorant when you are benefiting from it. But um, this is, I'm going to you as well now. Just based on what you said, I feel like in today's society and the fact that this is a conversation that has been constantly, you know, spoken about, this conversation that's constantly being had, do you feel like in that sense of awareness and, you know, people being ignorant, people not being aware of this, do you feel like that's still an excuse today? Like, look, is it, like, in terms of our awareness and ignorance and being, you know, woke, like, a lot of these things depend on, you know, the sort of people, <laughs> the sort of people you, you associate with. There's, you know, like, you know, it's, it's just one, it's that, like, a part of it is that human ability to get out of a person's comfort zone and go, okay, this is something like, like I need to be in a place where I'm not very comfortable to understand another person's and that person's reality. And I think, I think people who are willing to do that are more likely to understand situations a lot better. And sometimes like I, I see a lot of things that I think, Oh, this is just not okay. This is a little bit racist. This is a little bit, you know, ignorance, but in that situation, I also feel it's pointless to talk to this person about it because they clearly don't get it. Mm. And it's a waste of my time to even try to engage because you end up having to debate with yourself because this person is just going to be defensive and ignorant. And sometimes, genuinely, it is not their fault. There are some people I know who say things to me like, oh, you're my only black friend. 
And really, like I, <laughs> I can't, <laughs> I can't turn around How and you go. How to feel when they say that? Yeah, when it's like, like for me, like oh, thanks. The, 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 <laughs> Sometimes I say, oh, just hang around me a lot, a lot more. You, you, you meet a few other people. And with people like that, who sometimes I genuinely think, this person is genuine. He doesn't know any other black person. Mm. How do you expect them to be aware of? Because it, no matter how much you read things online and you know, try to watch things you know, online, if you, if, you, if you don't know anyone who can share experiences with you, there's always going to be that delay or that block in understanding the situation. Because when you read something, you're by yourself, you're reading, you're analyzing it yourself. You can, you will, you know, you come to your own conclusions without anyone challenging you or giving you a different perspective. But when you see people living that scenario, it's easier to be empathetic to a situation and to acknowledge that this actually is a thing. And that's, I think that's one of those issues, that, that's one of those, that's one of the problems we face when you say, you know, can ignorance be an excuse? I think to an extent it can be an excuse yeah. because someone from a country town who has been surrounded by white people their whole life would not be as exposed as someone who's lived in the city and has seen the different aspects of what your race could actually do without you being aware of it. But people also self-segregate. Yeah, there's, yeah, of course. There are some people who genuinely do not want to go out of your comfort zone. And for people like that, you can't really make a lot of excuses for them because if you want to know something, get out of here to learn it. But there are some people who don't have that opportunity to even get out of their own comfort zone. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's I think, where the, the differences can be drawn in terms of can this person's ignorance be a, a legitimate excuse or is this person refusing, is this person purposely isolating themselves so they can continue to claim ignorance? You, you said you were a psych grad? Social sciences, yeah. Social sciences, okay. Yeah. You know, like, the concept of an in and out group? Explain. So it's sort of like, I think, what, like, what you're talking about, I really agree with that. I think if you don't, and that's, I think that's one reason why people, why a lot of people don't grasp white privilege and all these other concepts, is they don't have any meaningful relationships with people of colour. Yeah. So if you don't know any people of colour, and, like, when I say that, I don't mean, like, what you're talking about, oh, this is my one black, black friend or whatever, or this is... My, my black colleague from work that I had lunch with or yeah. whatever. No, I like that you said um, meaningful relationships because yeah. a lot of times you hear, oh, I have this friend that's black or I know this black but my neighbor's black but they don't have any yeah. actual relationship. Like ongoing, authentic, genuine relationship that's deeper than like a surface level, you know, association, right? Mm. Um, with multiple people as well, not just like one person. I think then that's another reason why a lot of white people struggle is because it's like if you like I think you kind of you kind of hinted at this promise it's like it humanizes people yeah. and not only humanizes them is that it allows you to understand them in a way that's a lot different than you might get from reading a book or watching yeah. a documentary or something and in psychology they have these concepts of like in and out groups and so it's it's sort of like the in group is sort of like me and the people I identify with and so let's say you're talking about white people and it's like they can sing white people or white people are like me and black people are an out group. They're like the other group, the other people. And it's very easy when I see people like me that I can um, say that, oh, what's happening to them? That is external. Like I externalize everything that happens to them that's like, say, bad. So externalizing means like basically the things that happen to them, they're not their fault. That's not because they're white that that thing happened, that they went to jail or whatever. It's like nothing inherent to their like character as a, or identity as a white person it must just be some individual circumstance or whatever but 
when I look at like black people and the reason why there's so many black people in jail or something in the US, oh, it's because like there's something about those people or whatever, you know, those people being like an out group to me because I don't have any kind of like personal connection and I don't have any kind of understanding of those people, so to say, as human beings, as, you know, people like me, as, as equals. Mm. It's kind of troubling to me that people can only really relate to something like that if it's relevant, though. Like, that's yeah. something that I struggle to understand, like, just, like, if with humans in general, like, how we can't relate to or can't understand someone else unless we find some sort of relevance in it, like, for us. Like, oh, I have a meaningful relationship with this person and, like, that's the reason why I feel so strongly about this. Like, I don't know, that concept, like, just troubles me because I'm just, like, as a human, you should understand that that's just morally wrong that someone like faces these sort of struggles because of their skin color like i don't know it's i think it's also part of our culture too like yeah. individualism yeah. and meritocracy mm-hmm. are yeah. like ingrained in western culture and so it's like you're meant to be able to lift yourself up you know on your own merit yeah right and we're all unique individuals and it's hard if you're really marinated in that culture of viewing everyone as being individually responsible for themselves and unique, that there would be something that you could apply that would apply to everybody, like white advantage or maybe the opposite of white advantage, like discrimination or black disadvantage or whatever you want to call it. So it's sort of like, it's, I think, also part of our culture that inhibits people because we think that, you know, as individuals, you should be able to just succeed by working hard, yeah. right? And that's a cultural value that white people kind of share. But that's not that's not based in reality. Like that's not what the world how the world actually works, right? You don't succeed just purely based on hard work. On hard work, nobody does. Like there's no, no real self-made millionaires. Like there's very few of those people. That's like another part of our ideology of our society. It's like in a capitalistic society, we all should just work really hard, go to work. You know, we could all accumulate wealth, and eventually we'll be like Jeff Bezos or whatever. You know, like but that's just not happening for most people. Um, but as a society, we have this ideology that tells us that that's the way that it should be. And we also have an ideology that tells us that individuals shouldn't be disadvantaged based on their race because we live in a society where everyone's, you know, equal before the law yeah. and all these other kind of concepts. That's not true. Yeah. And it's all just like, it's obviously a smokescreen, right? Yep. But, but a lot of white people internalize those values and, and identify with them. And so like when you ask them like, well, that seems a bit racist or whatever. Oh, no, no, no. Like, my mum and dad told me, like, I should always treat people the same or whatever. I don't see race. You know, I'm colorblind <laughs> or whatever. Oh, it's like, but in reality, that's not actually how things are. Yeah. Like, people are biased and subjective and Western culture teaches us that, we're, that we can be objective. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's not even possible either. So it's like everyone has a subjective point of view that they're coming from, but we sort of, like, as a culture you know, say that that's not actually the case. And it's just, that's when people kind of have this disjunction between what society is telling them the way things are and the way things actually are. And it means that they can't put themselves in someone else's shoes because there's like a smokescreen in front of them that says that person shouldn't shouldn't actually be struggling in the way that they are. Mm. I don't believe that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And to touch on what Imogen was saying about, you know, not understanding the concept of, you know, if this is not if this is not happening to someone I know, why? Like, you know, like it doesn't really bother me. And I think there's also that that that, and this is something that personally I struggle with as well. Like, when I see people in a situation, like, 
there's one way I react. I, okay, you have a problem. Let me help you solve this problem, right? But when I see people in a situation and I don't know them and there's no way I can reach them, I'm, I find myself in a situation where I go, I can't really solve your problem. I don't know you enough to feel any sense of responsibility or enough empathy for your plight. And because when empathy comes in, you start thinking, okay, let me help this person. And if I can't help you, there's only so much me feeling bad is going to achieve. And I think there's also that, that, that you know, like humans, like I feel as though as humans, it's almost as though, yes, we're meant to be empathetic, but there's only so, so far we can go with feeling bad for someone or, you know, you know, feeling sorry for someone when we're not able, actually able to do anything to change that person's situation. And that's, you know, like, you know, probably moving on to the next part of, you know, you, of the notes where people are having to force themselves in every, you know, yeah. to fit into situations. And but before we do that, let me ask you a question. This is yeah. specifically for you. Yeah. As a black man, mm-hmm. do you want people feeling sorry for you based on white privilege? No. I don't want people to feel sorry for me because, again, I don't want to be, be in a situation where people feel sorry enough to then, you know, feel as though that, like, to feel like they want to help me and then, you know, however they already see fit. And then when I suddenly achieve certain things, the narrative becomes, oh, you know, this happened exactly. because of the help I got. And so it's just like, let, you know, just let things be you know, fair for everybody, but don't feel sorry for me and try to make my life better and introduce all these policies that then undermines my achievement. Yeah, and that's um, what I was getting at in terms of that um, scenario you just um, explained yeah. where, you know, when empathy comes in, then you feel, you know, you feel sorry for this person mm-hmm. enough to want to help, help them. Yeah. But when it comes to white privilege, I feel like we're not even asking you to feel sorry. Yeah. It's just, just understand your white privilege. Just acknowledge your white privilege. And then when you're in a space where your white privilege comes out to play or someone else is, you know, not experiencing that same privilege issue. You understand that. You're not then in their face, you're not, you know, being defensive about the fact that, hey, I got this based on the fact that, you know, mm. or I had, not even necessarily I got this based on that. It's just I had an easier ride than you, I had an easier yeah. time based on the color of my skin. That's it. Yeah. All you need to do is just understand I, that. I, don't come feeling sorry for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a charity yeah. case. I don't need you to feel sorry for me. And I have, I have an, ex- an actual example of that, you know, feeling sorry for, just trying to make you make the quota or whatever it is. And, you know, because, you know, in the department I work in, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of black people. And I don't know, for those of you who follow me on Instagram, you must have seen a photo I posted where I've made the, um, like I've made some, not wall of fame, but there's some, a collaboration yeah, you know what I'm talking about. There's a photo I posted that was done at work. And there was nothing special. It's not, I didn't get any, you know, um, I didn't get any bonus for being in that photo. It was something advertised in my department. And the amount of people who said to me, oh, you're only there because they're like, you know, we're trying yeah. to make AC, the ACT government a multicultural a friendly government so you're, you're meeting the black quota was this people at work or yeah. outside of work? it was like oh like yeah like they, they just put you there because they want to you know look multicultural and I'm just like you know maybe it's because of you know the sort of work I do maybe it's because I've been here long enough maybe it's because maybe I'm good at taking photos for it could be any other thing but you're thinking oh this black guy is on the wall so it must be because the, the, the department wants to meet a certain inclusion and welfare you know, quota, and that's why he's there. And and that really, like, it, it got to me. But 
again in that situation like there's only so much how how do i react to that yeah. and that's yeah. one thing i wanted to address as well because going back to when i said the whole thing of you know when you mention white privilege a lot of times you hear oh but you know there's all these things in place for people of color to get employed there's all these scholarships and stuff like i don't i this is me speaking personally but i don't think there's anybody out there that actually wants to be a diversity hire I don't think there's anybody that wants to be called a diversity hire or know that, hey, I got this job just because they wanted to fill a quarter of black people or they want to fill a quarter of Indians or they want to fill a quarter of this. It's one of those things where it's just... Because then, like you said, it starts to downplay your, your actual achievements. Yeah. yeah. It's like, so we're against affirmative action here? Is that what we're saying? <laughs> we're saying I, d- I don't want to be your diversity hire. Of course not. So, <laughs> like... Yeah. You gave an example before where um, if you both put in a job application, mm. just based on his name alone, that's yeah. already an advantage. Yeah. So it's one of those things where two of us could be in a room. I could be, we could be exact same level of you know qualifications. We're both good at the job, but now I'm I've gotten in there. I'm doing great things, but people are looking at me like, oh, hey, the only black guy there. He was clearly hired because he's black. Yeah. But I've gotten a degree. I've you know, worked hard. I have studied this shit for hours just so I can be really good at my job. And now someone's looking at me like a diversity hire. Yeah. So, like, I don't understand why anyone in their right mind would then think that that cancels out white privilege. But, like, that's something that I personally struggle to understand. Because white people individualize it a lot, I think. You know, it's, it's, it's not understood on a social level. It's understood on an individual level. It's like, it's there, so, you know, just take it. Adding to that as well, if you haven't gone through it personally, sometimes you don't recognize it or you don't accept it, for example. And you don't, I don't think you need to have that personal relationship. For example, you had your Woolies you know, situation. Yeah. That guy probably doesn't, hasn't seen anything like that before. Yeah. But then if you then talk to him about white privilege and he still ignores it, then obviously it's not an excuse anymore. Yeah. So I think it just comes down to your experiences as well. With um, with the issue for people to then acknowledge that this exists, and I agree that look, the fact that you acknowledge it does not make you racist, mm. which is where people then jump on defensive to go. Oh. <clears throat> I think once the word "white" comes into it, yeah. it then becomes a whole other topic. A like if you're yeah. talking of privilege, everyone's yeah. willing to say, "Oh yeah, people yeah. to get these benefits." Yeah. But when you then go white privilege, like whoa, 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 whoa. I'm white not a racist, privilege. exactly. Yeah. So yeah, white fragility and stuff comes into it. So. Awesome, awesome. But um, moving forward to, um, I think, what Promise just kind of touched on there again when he said, you know, the whole thing about white people wanting to be included in things. And also, a lot of times, it wouldn't go as far as forcing their way into situations. And if you're like, oh, hey, we don't want you, it's like, why not sort of thing? Oh, you guys are always banging on about racism and discrimination and all that stuff. Reverse racism. And, <laughs> and um, Imogen also touched on that as well when she said the whole thing about... Um, Black Lives Matter and how a white person trying to, you know, support that or like get in that space will not be seen as being, you know, genuine and stuff like that. But this um, reminded me of a conversation that I had one time. So I was the only black guy in the car, the only colored person in the car. I was a car full of white guys. And initially I wasn't even part of this conversation. I remember I was tired and I was just chilling. But they were talking, and I was listening to their conversation. And at the time, we were in America. So this was a bunch of Australian guys in America. And we were talking about the whole Black Lives Matter thing. And I remember... Ooh, this is not going to end well. <laughs> and I remember, I, remember them to, I, remember the, I remember them saying, you know, between themselves, this is, what, three white guys, four, three, four white guys, talking about, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement. I was just sitting there, wasn't even 
I had no interest in being part of that conversation. And then they started talking about, I think this was when there was um, supposed to be like a Black Lives Matter match. But um, the, so it's supposed to be a Black Lives Matter match, but um, the black people wanted, did not want like any white people on that particular match. I don't know if you guys remember this one, but it was, they just wanted it to be black people. And these guys were talking about how like, you know, white people are trying to help like you know they call them racist and all that but now they're trying to help and they're getting pushed to the side like why shouldn't they be allowed to like that's you know discrimination and things like that and this was the part this was when i was like okay i need to be part of this conversation so i've come in and i'm like hold up a second how can you say that like if you claim that you're doing this for the black people it's clearly not about you you're doing it for people of color. You, you, you want to be part of the Black Lives Matter movement because Black Lives Matter. And now the people who you claim to, you know, like so much, people who you claim to support are telling you, hey, sit this one out. You know, we want to do this by ourselves. If you were someone who truly supported this yeah. and were doing it for the right reasons, that you, you, you would just move to the side and be like, yeah. okay, cool, so long as this shit is getting done, right? Mm. But here you are sitting in the car talking about how how that's bad and how this is why you know this is why um no one ever wants to like you know be involved in this stuff and this how no one this is why no one ever wants to be involved with them sort of thing and i'm just like but secondly you're in a car with a black guy what makes you think that's okay to say and i think just because they were more referring to american blacks they thought it was all right because you know this black guy that's here he's, he's he's one of us from australia and i was just like no like you're talking about black people and you should understand the fact that if you claim to support these people, that should never be a problem. That you, like you don't, it's not about you because now you've you've taken that whole movement, taken that whole march, a march that's supposed to be, you know, a statement, a march that's supposed to be about Black Lives Matter, and you've made that about white people helping. Now it's about us. Oh, it's it, it, it kind of looks like you know, you're only doing it so people can see that hey, I'm an ally. You know, I support you guys. And again, I feel like that's one of the problems that I have with the whole allyship thing, but then that's, a, that's another conversation. Ooh, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's something I just want to talk about. So have you guys, do you guys have any, um, anything to say or any experiences of just where white people, you know, trying to um, get into those black spaces or like, you know, force their way in and be included? Because you said before how um, people don't necessarily... Um, and by you, I meant Imogen, sorry. You were saying how people don't necessarily understand things until, you know, it's relevant to them. And it's one of those things where, okay, we're talking about white privilege and inclusivity and all that stuff, and you don't understand that, like, you know, you're ignorant about it, da-da-da-da-da. But then as soon as someone says, oh, hey, wait, we don't want white people in this, you're not included. All of a sudden, now you understand. You're like, oh, wait, it's because I'm white, because I'm white, sort of thing. Oh, this is the same thing that we've been trying to tell you. You refuse to understand, but now all of a sudden you understand. So it's like, yeah, like any experiences that you guys have or like, you know, anything you have to say about those situations. I think that, um, yeah, this is really interesting for me as well, just because like I, I am really passionate about um, like civil rights in general. Um, and it's something that I personally kind of had to get my head around a little bit as well, because obviously... You can be super passionate about something and want to get involved for all the right reasons and all the right intentions, but obviously just because of history, like you will never seem as genuine as you think you are in your heart. 
Do you know what I mean? Is it something that you may have experienced as well, possibly? So I think, um, I don't know if you know, but for the Black Lives Matter movement, there's actually um, a movement called White People for Black Lives Matter. And it's more kind of... Um, why are you doing that? Well's face right now. No, I've never heard about this. Yeah, so it's actually like another organisation that's a kind of like... So Black Lives Matter is the parent organisation and it's like one underneath it. So White People for Black Lives Matter. And it's four situations where, um, as you were saying before, there might be movements that um, are only for people of colour. And it's so a way to kind of support that, you know, in a, in a back seat as a white person. So I guess maybe like using privilege or um, platforms that you may have to kind of promote movements that you might want to be behind without taking the spotlight away or without making it about you or without trying to make people feel like they need you to be in their movement. But do you feel like a movement like Black Lives Matter matters needs all these different subgroups? Because I feel like once you start doing that, that's taken away from it and still sort of making yeah. it about you. Because when I hear yeah. white people for Black Lives Matter, I'm like, so it's definitely a- what? <laughs> yeah. So it was actually started... Um, by um, the leader of Black Lives, the starter of Black Lives Matter. And it was just a way to make sure that, you know, the lines weren't blurred. Um, it was a way to be like an ally, for lack of a better word, um, to a movement that people may feel strongly about but kind of need to take a back seat for. So, I don't know, obviously there's two, si- two ways of looking at it, um, but it was a way of making sure that um, white people weren't going to like waltz into a movement and like steal the, steal the mic, you know? Mm. It was like a way of supporting from from afar, I guess. Mm. I don't know. It's obviously... A well, I mean, considering I haven't heard about it, and I'm guessing... Have you guys heard about this? No. Well, we they re- did a good job with the whole afar thing, so... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, you do have to be really careful. Um, as a white person, sorry, is what I'm saying. You do have to be really careful um, with how you engage in, in certain types of protests or movements because... Yeah, as I said, you won't come across genuine, and that's like rightly so because the movement wouldn't have even been a movement if it wasn't for like the historical um, oppression and also like present-day oppression that people are facing. So I think yeah, you have to just remember as a white person that when you go to something like this, um, like, it's not about you. Yeah, and also like police Wait, brutality what? and stuff. Um, <laughs> like the people that are the oppressor look like you. So you have to just really understand that. Yeah. You know, people don't yeah. want you to be there because... That's a very important point. Dave is quiet. That's a first. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm just, you know what? I was just thinking, like, I probably talked too much already today. So I don't want to, like... Oh, no, keep talking. It's yeah, all good. Talking. But another way also that I think is a way to get involved in a movement is if you are a white person and you feel like you have this, like, liberating, amazing point about something... Um, like the Black Lives Matter movement, I guarantee you that a person of colour has probably said it before. So the best way to go about promoting the message is to like repost the video of the person of colour saying it, rather mm-hmm. than you know making this big post and acting as if like you're the answer to all the questions. Like you need to be really careful of how you approach that sort of thing. Like your point of view is probably really behind in the fact that like people that are in this situation have already thought about voiced it that yeah, so many times yeah, yeah. like yeah. so find the video of the person of colour saying it or the post and post that rather than kind of stealing the mic I feel like Dave has something to say about that well, I was just going to say I feel like Orwell's head's about to fall off he's nodding so hard to what <laughs> um, yeah I mean I think that it's 
like Hollywood loves doing this kind of thing, right? There's like, it's not just about white people, but white people's uh, roles in like progressive movements and moments in history and whatever is a favorite topic of Hollywood, right? So it's like there was some big thing that was happening and it was like maybe, I don't know, it's a movie about apartheid or it's a movie about um, slavery in the US and that era of time or whatever. But then the narrative is actually about this white guy who... Yeah, it's like always the, the white, the white saviour. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like he was the reason. Like, yeah. I found that... Have you guys seen the movie? Yes. Sophie yeah, is a yeah. slave, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, of course, it's a heroic, heroic, heroic white guy. Not all white men, saves, you know. Yeah. Saves the day. And that, like, annoyed me. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shut up. I, I, I feel you on that one. Oh, well. Yeah, so I guess that that's kind of what Imogen's saying, I think. That's what, that's what I was thinking about when she was speaking, is about how it's quite easy to reframe events and stories and narratives and issues and re-center them on white people. And that's what white people love to do, right? Um, and that's one of the problems, I guess, that we have in our culture, in our media and everything, is that, and this is another facet of white privilege, I guess, is that white people's faces are everywhere. So it's just like the Jesus is white. The, the Jesus yeah. is white. Jesus. You know, every like um, you know hero in a story is white. Yeah, and it's just a lack of representation. Yeah. And yeah. so that's that's a huge challenge in our society. And another reason why you know white privilege and these like ideologies of like white supremacy and stuff how how ingrained they are and how mm. how perpetuated they are is because mm. even the people of color, even the the black kids growing up. They're just consuming all of those things, yeah. And it's and it's disempowering for people to yeah. not see themselves on the TV or in a story or whatever, right? So they're even imagining their heroes as being white people, yeah, right? Which is nuts, yeah, right? Because people need to see themselves and to and to to have a positive self-image. It's like taken for granted for, from a white perspective. It's taken for granted that. You know, I can go and get a book and this is just like a little side white privilege discussion right now, mm-hmm. but you can take a book and then the hero of that story is like a white guy, mm-hmm. right? And I guess to connect it back to what I was talking about before, you see that in, the, in movies a lot. And so you see, you know, great movies out there about civil rights struggle or whatever, but white people wouldn't go and see it if like there wasn't a white mm-hmm. person yeah. Yeah. that was the, hero. You know, the best friend, but also yeah, the for sure, yeah, definitely for the yeah. struggle somehow. I don't know. So I guess that's what, like in in real life, you need to be careful of of doing that. How yeah, how you like, engage yourself, the yeah, topic to be about you, yeah. Um, when it's not about you, when you ask the question, the first question though, I was like, oh, okay. Well, I'm used to being, I'm not used to being. Um, like I thought maybe you should ask Promise that question because he might have more experience of people, white people coming into black spaces and then trying to assert themselves because I'm the white person asserting myself in a black space, mm. right? So that's my perspective. Obviously, I'm not doing that as like a, um, a racist or whatever. Or trying Are you to, sure? Yeah, well, hey, 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 hey. Let's just, yeah. Um, as far as I know, you know what I'm saying? So I think from my perspective, it's more about, yeah, I could be in a attaching myself to like a protest or whatever and it's just about knowing your place within that mm-hmm. group of people and in Australia there's, there's a lot about that for like Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and there's big protest movements around issues affecting Aboriginal people in Australia like over incarceration and over representation in the child protection system mm-hmm. for example I'm sure both Imogen and Promise are aware of you know those kinds of things 
And so there's heaps of protests and activist groups about those issues. And it's important as a white person who's interested, I'm interested in both of those issues, like incarceration is a really big issue for me personally. I'm really passionate about that um, subject. But I'm also, like, I guess, aware um, of like the historical role that white people have played in railroading those groups and taking them over. And that's like we're talking about allyship or whatever. That's complicated, like you said. Um, and I don't think that's, that's something that people have always, white people have always got right in the past. Yeah, so mm. it's a, that's okay. kind of my perspective. Yeah, I think there's this, uh, like, you know, I can't say it's deliberate. I don't know if it's deliberate, but there's obviously this, um, this thing that's, you know, obviously history has shown that people who look like this, we had the problem. They're the ones who brought us all the pain. There's almost that deliberate attempt to make it look like they're also the solution. Like, you know, they're always, you know, like, you know, like you said, every hero has got to be white. Everything that's good, you know, there's a white attached to it. And even like, for instance, and, and I think that's why, like, you know, when it comes to superhero movies, that's why even though it was not the most, it was not the best written movie, a lot of Africans celebrated the Black Panther because yeah. it was something that was for us. Inclusivity. Yeah, it was just like, we just, you know, and, 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 the, and the irony was, you know, a few years ago, there was this um, monologue Chris Rock opened for the, one of the award shows, and he said, all we want is just equal opportunities. And as soon as he said that word, Chadwick Boseman was, was captured. And a few years later, you know, Black Panther was made and all these things. And, you know, you compare you know, the Black Panther to all these other, you know, Iron Man and all these other Marvel movies. It's not the best written one, but because of how inclusive it was and how it was, you know, dominated by blacks, we just, it was just, it was for us. Like, you know, for that, when it came out, I was in Canberra and there was this big event where everyone went to the cinema with like African attires and what we were looking at, I was like, what the, like, what's going on? And it was just like, you know, when Harry Potter comes out, when Superman or whatever comes out, you guys can dress as weird as you want, but <laughs> the means we're doing it is like, you know, hang on, what's, <laughs> what's so special about this movie? It's like, oh, you're too extra. Yeah, you're too extra, too much. So but, you, but you're going to see Harry Potter with a wand and you're going to see Star Wars <laughs> dressed up as like Darth Vader. Yeah, it's all right. as soon as you start wearing our dashikis and our thing, oh, it's just a movie, come on. Yeah, <laughs> I went to a screening like that, there were so many uncomfortable white people. Yeah, like yeah. at one point, they were like, the turtles were too loud and threatened to kick us out of the movies. But this <laughs> <laughs> is in camera, but we were quite loud, to be honest. But... <laughs> yeah, there was drums in Sydney in one of the cinemas. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, and and if you look at it, it's not as if you know you know when you call the greatest movies of all time, Black Panther is going to be mentioned. But it's just the fact that this was the one that we felt as though this is for us. And I think that's you know that's that issue which you know you don't always have to be in everything. Obviously, there's a few white people in the Black Panther movie, but they were not you know the principal like you know the main people they're not they're peripheral like the colonizer or whatever his name the was bad guy. funny yeah <laughs> funny you mentioned that yeah because I, I remember a lot of people actually had a problem with that one white guy who was actually one of the you know main characters which one was he again the guy who got shot yeah yeah the yeah, one that the got, got treated at the end with the... And then he was... And the oh, like the CIA agent or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah that one. Like, that. people actually had a problem with that because they were like, it's our movie, we finally got something. Why is there another white guy that's every, in everything? Because I think one of the things that Black Panther did, like you mentioned, was... Mm. I don't think there was... Was he the only white, like, actual white person in that movie? I think I think he was one of the... Like, he was the... He's the only one I can remember specifically. He's he's the, white people? No, like, yeah, like, you know... Like, you know... Guy. Like, the South African guy with, like, with a cut arm or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. But I think... It but was, it was more centered around, you know, yeah. black yeah, people. Yeah, and it wasn't just, like, America black. It was Africa black. And that was the difference. Like, Ooh. in... 
like it really it's one of those things like I, I lost count of times I watched it it's not because again it's, it's not it wasn't that great hey. it's just the fact that look this is yeah. like I can relate to this these are my people sort of thing it's just, yeah it's just refreshing to see that for once you know you know we're not told okay there's this hero black guy but his best friend who's white yeah. saved him at the end of the day it's yeah I think it's just that's about coming into people's spaces and all that stuff I think it's, I mean, in terms of the inclusion side of things, it's natural for, you know, humans to want to feel included in, you know, whatever is going on. But I think the key thing here is just check your motive for wanting to be part of whatever you want to be a part of. You know, are you doing it for the right reasons? Have you done the research? Do you understand what this is about? It's not just, you know, being a white person, seeing Black Lives Matter and be like, oh, yeah, I've got a black friend, so guess what? Uh, you know, just for my friend, I'm enjoying this. You know, understand yeah. the historical context yeah. behind such movements and then understand your place in it as well. Because if you don't know your place and act properly in that role, then you make it all about you. You make it, you know, being you left, right, center, that, or it's all about this one white guy who's part of the Black Lives Matter. But whereas it's supposed to be you just supporting something, which is the issue you have with your mates, where they wanted to be active in it, but you can also play an important role behind the scenes without being, being out there. And that's yeah. one thing I think. A lot of people fail to understand that the fact that I support something does not mean I have to actively come out and go, oh, you know, speak on it, make videos, make posts, and all that stuff. You can do other things behind the scenes to help, you know, people actually come to light and express their points um, without you being out there in a way. Yeah, definitely. No, that, that's um, that's really good. On the last episode, Esther mentioned something about um, how you know the Sudanese model. Um, got yeah. mistaken, yeah. so they put a different photo on an interview that she did with um, a magazine. Yeah, and um, how all the comments in the um, so all the comments that she got when she called out the racism behind it was mostly like you know white people being all defensive and stuff. <laughs> I actually remembered that post, and there was one post in particular that got my attention when it was posted. And um, going back to everything that you guys have been saying about um, some people, you know, trying to then change the narrative and, you know, take something that has nothing to do with you, is not about you, and then put yourself in the middle of it and try to make it about you. I'm going to read this comment. It's pretty long, so bear with me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was, it was, I remember reading and just thinking, how did we get here? Mm. Let, let me have some water first. I need to prepare. Because <laughs> I remember just I remember just thinking like how 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 did you get this out of this? But anyways, um, the post itself was basically her just saying you know how it upset her, made her angry. You know she was disrespected and like she felt you know unaccept, unacceptable. Wait, this is the white the white girl talk. No, no, this is what um the model has said. Oh, so uh, yeah. so she had just said you know how you know it upset her and made her you know angry. She felt like she was disrespected because like you know they clearly didn't even. Bother, yeah, to, to check check yeah. who who they're posting, and this middle-aged white man has then come out and said, "I understand. I don't think you realize how much most of us." He put most in caps, by the way. Most of us understand exactly what you're saying. It's sort of like me, and this is where I went downhill. <laughs> I'm a white middle-aged Australian man. The amount of times I've been called a racist, sexist, and misogynistic Australian male is daily. Even in your post here, you have lumped us all in this same basket by saying that people, in brackets, that's everyone, are all very ignorant and narrow-minded. In brackets, I don't believe I am. And, quotes, Australia, you have a lot of work to do. 
why do I have work to do? I'm a father of three daughters and lived in Hong Kong for, dec- for decades. Okay. Good for you. Relevant. <laughs> so what you have said here is in itself quite offensive to me. Okay. 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 But I also understand what you are trying to say, so I keep my annoyance in perspective. But thoughtless comments, including yours, wear us all down eventually. Everyone takes offense differently to all the different slights we all get. Me, I'm particularly sensitive to being called both sexist and racist. I feel as though I don't deserve it, nor should my personal morals be lumped in with an entire nation's population. I'm sure you'll have a lot of support. Personally, though, I don't and won't. I feel that innocent mistakes are also made. I also suggest that you, in caps, also articulate yourself more carefully, because in actual fact, you are in effect exactly the same as what you have accused others of being. Just like like mixing up your picture after the content of your interview, you have then labeled us all in your haste to articulate yourself. An innocent mistake? A careless one? Or do you actually mean it? I don't know you, so I can't possibly answer. If you deem your own faux pas an innocent mistake, then you must also acknowledge the potential in others. But for you to fight that fight honestly, you need to be what you profess. Are you? Oh. My, my guess is when he sat down and typed that. It's a long post. He thought, you hey, feel, I'm yeah. doing something. Oh, I yeah. just, look, I just, I just cured racism. Yeah. But he has but, three kids too, doesn't he? Yeah. He has a lot of time on his hands to be I don't understand. three kids. <laughs> I got one kid and that's like a lot of Yeah, but I read that and I'm like, okay, this has absolutely nothing to do with the initial post. Mr. said nothing to you. It had nothing to do with you. If, you're, if you are what you claim you are not, keep scrolling. Yeah. But I, love, I love how we included the part about how he lived in Singapore or something. Hong Kong yeah. for decades. Like, that okay, that's nice. Yeah. What's that got to do with well, her? Maybe because he's experienced being a minority or something like that. Oh, that's good for yeah. you. I don't know. Did you also have people change your picture? So, <laughs> yeah, like, I think that that's one of those, that's like an example of white fragility, right? So the, he's, he's immediately becoming uncomfortable. He's immediately trying to shut down the conversation. You know, you shouldn't, we, we shouldn't have been talking about, th- about this, right? And what you're saying, you're actually, you're racist. Yeah. I'm not racist. You're, you're, like, no one's even talking to you, mate. Like, no one's Literally saying, nobody. No one said you were a racist, right? So that's a bit of a red flag for me. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a white man too. And I don't have people constantly c- telling me that I'm racist and sexist in my personal life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if he's saying that people are always calling him and saying these things to him... That's a problem. Maybe, maybe he has... Maybe there's some, some truth there, well, mate. Or, or, or maybe he's like... I think maybe also he could be like linking himself to... So he gets offended every time anyone says Australians are racist. Yeah, every time anyone says like, white people are racist. He's like, himself to like the collective white identity or whatever and saying, oh, you can't be critical of like white people generally because then... That's being critical of me because I'm white and that's racist. And mm. you say you don't support racism. So then why are you making these comments? And so it's just about shutting down the conversation, right? And then making it about himself. Yeah, and that was, that was my biggest problem with the post. Because I'm like, here's a post of someone who is clearly upset about what's happened. How did we get here? How is this about you, some middle-aged white man with three kids who lived in Hong Kong for... I don't know you, but I already know so much about you. I really hope... (laughs) Yeah, we know so much about you. I really hope him living in Hong Kong was not his wealth saying... Singapore. In Singapore, wherever he lived. Hong Kong. Hong Kong. Oh, was it Hong Kong? Yeah. Okay, yeah. sorry, Singapore. I I really hope him saying I lived in Hong Kong is not him saying, well, I've lived with so many non-white people, so I can't be racist. I'm really hoping that's not... because. 
<laughs> I mean, you didn't explain it, but yeah, because you, you can get that. From I said, I the head that I was like, okay, you've lived there. What what does that? But yeah. he probably anyway. lived in like a white expat community yeah. with like fence uh. and stuff that everyone's white and. <laughs> You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you probably but, didn't live in the community. But the reality is, like, when I see, I see, like, and this is something that's starting to really annoy me these days, when I see a lot of white people going to Asian, like, very, very poor Asian or African countries and they pick up a random baby and take a photo with them. Like, when, when white people get... Instagram. Yeah, when, when white people go overseas, they're treated like kings. Like, so you can't even try to say, like, you literally, you, like, I, have, I had a friend who I used to work with in my, in my previous job and he... He told me about his experience going to um, Laos or something, and literally said he would literally be walking in the streets, and there'd be all these kids playing, you know, street soccer, and they would see him, and they would literally stop what they're doing. You know, you know how fun street soccer was. They'll stop what they're doing and just follow this guy and like want to touch him, and and so you can't even try to, you know. Oh, like I've been a minority. No, you've been in a, mi- a minority in a place where yeah. people think you are better than them because of the conditioning. They've been, you know, they've been exposed to, like, you know, so it's like that. Re- listening to that is just like I'm sure someone pulled him up and said, "What, uh, what did you achieve?" Everybody, <laughs> everyone, like any, anyone who knows me knows I don't comment on Instagram. I don't even use my Instagram much yeah. unless I'm like tagging someone in a meme. Yeah, I commented on that. I was just like, "What? Yeah, what does so it have to do with you?" Like, I'm just like even when you're like in a, you know, in a situation where you're the minority. It's almost as though, as a white person, you almost automatically get treated even better than the locals, because again, like, again, I'm not like I, I can't say this is always the case, but in most of, like yeah, ninety nine percent of the time that is the case. Yeah, like, like, bro- like this is what I've seen. Like you know, you see, like you know, back when I was in Nigeria, you see, you know, the few white people you see, like they would almost be royalty just because they're white. There could be an absolute nobody where they're coming from, yeah. but as soon as they land there, just because they're white, and the fact that the people around there have, haven't seen many yeah. white people before, yeah. it's like, let's treat them like they're God. Yeah. I think it's also the legacy of colonialism as well. Though. Yeah, exactly. And on the reverse, you see, a black person goes to a non-white country, there's all this, all this all, a, a person of color goes to a, a white country, there's always all this skepticism, all this... You have to answer these ridiculous questions. People are always second guessing. Do I go close to him? Do I not? Like you know, so it's just again, it's just that mm. it comes down back to privilege. Like it, you know, it's not your fault, but you're in a place where no one yeah. knows you, and you're still getting treated better than the locals. And in that situation like, as well, I feel like that's something that we, as you know, black people, we as people of color, actually have to then address to, amongst yeah. ourselves. Yeah, we need to. Because one that, of the like, things that I also wanted to talk about was you know, linked to this as well. Just in terms of, um, if you just go on the internet, for example, there are people on Instagram or whatever who are famous just based off the fact that they faked an African accent or an African-sounding Af- accent. Like, as soon as... Like, What's that woman's name? I see her on Instagram. Which one? I don't know. She like... <laughs> There's a few of them. I think she's Australian and she's like... She's, oh, there's probably a few of these people actually. I'm thinking of this Australian name. I'm thinking of someone from the UK. Okay. Okay, are you guys... Is it that um, or you were princess or, you or something? Or princess or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know yeah, the one yeah, you're yeah, talking yeah. about. Well, no, like, it, I, I see this and to me it's crazy yeah, because a lot of times I'm just like, we don't even sound like that one. But whenever we as Africans see things like that, we're just like, oh my God, that is amazing. You get bonus points if you speak an actual language. Just say one word in Yoruba. Holy shit, a white person said that? Yeah. Next minute, their followers are going up. They're like, you know... They're making right. a living from yeah. this shit yeah. ju- just based on doing nothing. Yeah. But then I look at it and I'm just like, 
that's something we do on the daily. Yeah. We sp- we come here, we speak English. We even say it in your accent. Yeah. No one blinks. Well, no one blinks an eye, but as yeah. soon as they do it, all of a sudden we're treating them like, you know, royalty. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. why do we continue to do that? Is that we, we can't even complex. I, yeah. That like that acceptance that their culture and their way of life is so, somehow more important and when they go out of their way to do something that we are accustomed to, it's like, oh my God, this person is, you know, like he, he's above the other ones because he's, he, he, like he's, just like the guy, the, 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 I don't know where he's from, he's from a European country who's always posting videos on Instagram singing songs or wear Batman or something like that. Look, yeah, and no. like, I, I appreciate what he does because I'm thinking he, every song, apart from the Eminem ones, every song he, he sings, he gets the words. But the lyrics are like, in front of him. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. But for me, I'm just like, why yeah. is he being celebrated? Because he sang a song. But we're constantly singing songs every day, and we're that just is, like, is just okay, okay. As as somebody, as a white person who has benefited from this thing that we're talking about, mm. right? So my wife is Nigerian. So I spent a lot of time in the Nigerian community and Nigerian church, everything. Mm. And when I use Nigerian for like Yoruba phrases, right? Because my wife is Yoruba, so if I use Yoruba phrase. The, the reaction from people yeah. is like, oh my God, yeah, that's like, it's so positive. They're like, I can't oh, believe his brain wow. could comprehend that word. And, 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 they, and they will say stuff like, you know, oh, like, they're implying that somehow I'm like, I'm fluent in the language now that mm. I just like use like basic phrases like yeah. hello or goodbye or thank you or whatever. Um, so that, yeah, so I definitely have felt that kind of thing that you're talking, that phenomenon that you're talking about. But also as a white person, I think that to some degree, depending on the context in which this is happening, mm. it's a sign of respect yeah. to actually use somebody's language, yeah. um, communicating with them, even if I don't know, I'm not a fluent speaker of Yoruba, obviously, yeah. mm. but people greet me in Yoruba, for example. And so if I don't respond in the same way, I think it maybe is a bit disrespectful potentially. Um, and also I don't think that that, I mean, I think it's the same thing as what we're talking about as like appropriating you know, and getting no. famous off the culture or whatever. But I think it's possible to be um, an oibo person mm. and use Yoruba language or use another Nigerian language or African language, if we're talking more generally, um, in a way that's not problematic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. And a lot of times... Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, similar situation because um, from where my ex was from, um, he would speak Creole. So, like, obviously when we went to like family outings and stuff like he would tell me like you need to learn how to speak creole like it's respectful so then like obviously like he taught me how to do that and then a lot of people now i tell them like oh my god like really you learned that i'm like it's just a language and they're just like i can't believe you would do that i'm like what and i think sometimes that comes yeah. from, from from a place where like genuinely there are some like, like sometimes like i remember growing up in um in nigeria there was this one guy from south korea who could speak fluent pidgin english it's it, it's just something you see every day, and sometimes it comes from a place where I'm just like, I appreciate that this person can actually, you know, value our culture enough and think it's important enough for him to learn it. Yeah. And where the problem is is where they now expect it to be treated like some sort of superstar because of it. <laughs> you know the that, funny thing with that though, yeah. a lot of times they don't even expect anything. Yeah. It's us that just gives it to yeah. them. Yeah. And, 
And sometimes I see like, okay, this is com- like sometimes it's, it's also coming from a place of oh, like this person appreciates my culture. I like that because mm. all most of our lives, you know, as people of color, we've had to appreciate the other cultures. We've had to learn English. We've had to talk a certain way. We've had to dress a certain way. Yeah. And then that's what we see when a white person wears an African outfit. Straight away they stand up because not a lot of white people will do that. That's reality. Sometimes even when you as an African wear an African outfit to to the workplace or something, there's all these looks like, what are you wearing? What are you doing? So then a white person wearing it, it's it's like, oh, like you appreciate you appreciating culture. And so that's where that whole appropriation and all that yeah, yeah. Um, stuff comes from. But we're yeah. going to talk about that in a different episode today. <laughs> all right. But yeah, no, like it's, it's definitely a thing. But it, it's one of those ones where like depending on the way you look at it, it's either something that shows respect mm. or something that's just you taking advantage of something to yeah. for your own person. And because a lot of people have seen that it's actually something that people are making a living out of, mm. now they're actually going out of their way to try to, you know, yeah. corner that market too. Yeah. And crazy. it's just, it's crazy. Because like even, like you said, we, you know, learn their language where they close, speak this, but da, 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 da. Mm. we adapt, you know. Yeah. And no one blinks, no one blinks. Yeah. No one but blinks, then no. I've seen, there were these two guys, um, two white guys in Nigeria but they were born there like they they are Nigerian yeah so they, w- when they speak obviously like everything around them is Nigerian they're obviously going to speak like like Nigerians that's, that's all they know yeah. yeah it's so surprising but yet they get the same treatment and it's like what do you expect that and again white privilege like, like what do you expect like, okay. he, you're doing what everyone else over is here, doing you have you know kids who come here or were born here they have the same accent everything no one cares. Like that's just how it should be. That's just normal. Yeah, it's just yeah. it's just what it is. Is it because like I think that like what Promise was kind of talking about, it's that most white people don't bother to do those things. Most most white people don't bother yeah. to learn another language or really ed- self educate about stuff, about other cultures or about other languages mm. or whatever. And so when you see a white person that does or has it's sort of a bit it's like almost a sh- bit of a shock yeah. perhaps I don't know I feel like the, yeah, it's a combination of that and then as well as you know there's the other side of inferiority complex and there's like a whole bunch of other factors that just go yeah. into that and it's like one massive you know cake but yeah like that side of things as well like where okay this person for example in your case you know being married to a Nigerian obviously like you say like when you do it you know it's out of respect and that's one of those things where, like, you're not you're not out you're not out there on the internet or like you know on YouTube going, yeah. you know, trying to pronounce stuff in like a Nigerian accent. I don't yeah. I mean, myself. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, it's just it's part, it's your life. Like your wife is Nigerian. You, you know, you have a child who is half Nigerian. Like that's your life. Yeah. You know, you are around Nigerians. Yeah, to be you're, problematic. That's if you didn't you know if you didn't know anything. Exactly. Like, like that's so, true. You've not you haven't decided. Oh hey. Dara, you know, me, teach me. me, teach me some Yoruba. Let me go on YouTube and make money from it. Like, well, I don't want to. I don't want to shame Dara, but I don't think she could teach me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dara. Oh. And I'm assuming Dara is your wife. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I should have been using a pseudonym. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. but like, yeah, like you get where I'm coming from. So it's just one of those things where, like, that's it's part of your life. It's something that you know you learn. Can, if, if I can link this back to the topic of the podcast right by privilege i think that um that self-education is very important it's very important yeah and i think like what i was the, the way that i like opened up my original thoughts about the topic about um why is it hard for people to grasp i think that a part of that is like i said initially 
society doesn't want people to grasp it, right? Mm. And so if you really want to be able to grasp it, you actually have to go to the point of making these relationships, right? Making these, making these personal, genuine relationships with, with people of color so you can understand that. And then also educating yourself, right? You need to actually go and find mm. and read and study for like more than like a day. Like it takes years and stuff to really marinate in all this information and to understand the historical like contributing, you know, factors or whatever and the linkages between, the, between history and culture and the present and all these kinds of things. And most people aren't prepared to, to do, do that. that. Yeah. Like they're very comfortable to just sit in where they are now um, rather than really genuinely wanting to learn and understand and not on a superficial surface level mm. but on a deeper level. And I think that's why so many people don't grasp it is because you probably won't grasp it unless you do that, unless you educate yourself yeah. seriously or form serious, ongoing, genuine relationships with people of color. Um, and yeah, that's just, a lot of people aren't doing that. Yeah, I think that's a common theme with like, you know, all these topics that we speak about because the same conclusion, we reached that last week when we spoke about, you know, racism and it's just people taking it on themselves to you know, actually go out there and do that research, understand things and like, you know, actually wanting to do it. But um, to round up as well, you know, apart from, you know, just going out there and actually taking it on yourself to learn. What is something that, you know, how else could we, you know, bridge that gap? How else could we um, get people to understand, you know, white privilege? And also, I don't know if white privilege is something that can ever end. Like, yeah. I don't know if it's something that can ever end. But if it was to, like, how would we go about, you know, addressing a white privilege and just to, just to make like this is one of those questions where it's like you know how do we end sexism how do we end racism That's a whole podcast. So exactly yeah. but it's just like no just well yeah a quick you know how else would we go about addressing this these issues i think um just be critical about like what you see in mainstream media as well so like i feel like stereotypes or like perceptions of looking at things are like really fed to us on like channel nine channel seven and yeah so I think like just be cautious of that like I don't know if you guys I'm sure everyone here has noticed that like you know if there's a white person with a gun it's always a mental health problem mental yeah. health issue and if it's a minority person oh. that commits um, an act of terror um, 200 years in prison yeah. yeah so you know I think just be critical on what mainstream media is trying to force you to to see to see yeah yeah, it's about like instead of like I, I think it, the more critical we become, the more likely we are to make society a place where things are based on merit and not on bias. Like the, you, you start to get things based on merit, not not bias, and and the more and the quicker we can get there, the the less prevalent this privileged thing is going to become. And I think yeah, like you know, like Imogen was just saying, like you can't live in a society where two people are doing the same thing but because of the color of their skin there's a different reason behind it mm -hmm. like it couldn't just be like you know it, a violent person gets a gun and kills someone why does it have why does you know mental health have to come straight into it when a white person does it and why are we also questioning terrorism when a person of color or a Muslim does it all you know why is it drug gang related if a black person does it mm -hmm. you know it, it's just one of those things like let, let it be a level playing field and the only way we can get that is to keep pushing back on this mainstream ideology, this mainstream narrative of, oh, like, you know, he grew up in a good home. He 
his mom and dad have been together. His siblings are all successful. He surely can't be crazy. He, something must have gone wrong somewhere. And he might have been bullied when he was a kid. Just don't make excuses based on, on race. Like, it's just, if someone does this, this, this thing, this is what they are. Like, as simple as that. Not, you know, let's blame his mom who used to beat his dad or his dad used to beat his mom on his actions and wiping out the whole school or something like that, you know. It's, that's my take on it. The, the more critical we become, the more likely we are to get a level playing field. And the more the, 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 more the field becomes level, the, the less prevalent this situation is going to become. And I think, like, white people need to, like, stop saying, as we kind of touched on before, like, the whole colour blindness and, like, things like that. Because when you say things like that, you disregard the fact that mm-hmm. other people do go through Experience things, yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I think in Australian context, um, white privilege has, like, a different connotation to maybe the United States yeah. um, or some other Western countries. Um, because we're also a settler colonial state. So in Australia, white privilege is um, to deal, to address that. I think also we need to address um, Aboriginal Australian communities um, and our, you know, white society's relationship with those communities. And to do that meaningfully, um, to sort of, fix that problem is not easy um but i think the way that the government and whatever has been addressing that as an issue historically has been very poor um we can see the closing the gap um strategy that the government federal government has had for like a decade or whatever now isn't working the gap in life expectancy between indigenous and non-indigenous people is still there um i think they did a report recently about the results of that recent, you know, update and they were sort of failing in eight out of the 10 categories mm-hmm. of that, you know, and that's just, that's like failing, like we're not going to achieve the target basically is, is the way that it is at the moment. So I think in Australia to kind of address white privilege, we need massive reparations um, for indigenous communities. Um, we need a treaty. Um, we need genuine self-determination. Um, for Indigenous people and we're talking about white fragility and you know just talking about white privilege as a concept is so difficult um, for white people generally in Australia we have like this whole other conversation um, that white people really struggle with which is um, genocide mm. and <laughs> yeah. you know you can't you can't say the word gen- I'm, you can't say genocide Right, but it's just if you ever look, sort of look into Australian history and study it, genocide. yeah, and you look at the way that we conceptualize what genocide is, you look at the the United Nations um, definition of it, it's like we we did that. Yeah. So, and I think that you know that's a whole other conversation that sort of complicates the whole white privilege conversation in Australia is that we're never going to solve white privilege as a society here unless we can actually grapple with our own history in a, in a meaningful way. Um, and I don't think white people are prepared to do that. And you can see that in the debate about Australia Day and everything um, that happens every year. People are very defensive about that subject. Um, like what Orwell was saying before about they take, taking personal responsibility about it. You know, oh, like I can't acknowledge it because then you're saying I'm guilty of it or something like I didn't do it. It was like it happened to, 
a hundred years ago or whatever, right? Um, ignoring the fact that it's still happen happening today. You know, there's more Aboriginal kids being taken from their families today. Or deaths in custody even, you know. There was something like more than 300 unexplained Aboriginal deaths in custody last year. Like, yeah. It's still a thing. So the rates of those are actually increasing, right? So the rate of child removal for Aboriginal kids is increasing. It's higher now than it was when Kevin Rudd said sorry, <laughs> you know. It's higher now than it was during the Stolen Generations. There's so many Aboriginal kids in care now. It's, it's crazy. And then over-incarceration. So it's like, this is a big issue. Oh, well. <laughs> right? So the, the, the short answer is, solving what white privilege is very difficult. It requires a very um, deep-seated cultural um, conversations that I, I don't know if we're ready for right now. Um, definitely they're overdue. Um, I don't know when those are going to happen or how those can happen. Um, I think on an individual level, as a white person within that culture, it's about having uncomfortable, uncomfortable conversations with people, right? And I've had so many uncomfortable conversations in my life um, because these conversations are inherently uncomfortable yeah. for white people. So if you do talk about um, Aboriginal people and you know our history here in Australia, or you talk about race or you know white privilege or anything. It usually ends up in a fight. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like I've had so many arguments with people at work, people that I work with, and it's sort of like a joke now. And I can't, I can't even like have conversations with people sometimes because I sort of know that it's going to devolve. Yeah. Um, and so, but I think that's important to do that, right? Because it's important because racism is not comfortable. So people shouldn't be comfortable, right? We should make people uncomfortable and we should have uncomfortable conversations. And I think it's not necessarily the responsibility of people of color to do that, no. right? And I think that a lot of the time, um, black people and other people of color get put into the position where they're the ones that have to educate yeah. other white people, right? Um, because they're constantly surrounded. Like you're in that car with those people and you're just listening and it's like, you're like, oh, you're like, oh now, this I have to get now I have yeah. to step in or whatever, right? Whereas, like, from my point of view, it would have been really great if one of those white boys in the car was thinking the same thing as you, yeah. right? And, and he chimed in and was like, hey, guys, wait a second. Yeah. What we're saying makes no sense. Like, that's racist, what you're actually saying. Like, you're actually perpetuating the thing that you're saying is happening to you, yeah. right? And so I think... It's our responsibility as white people to have uncomfortable conversations. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's one way that you can make a difference on an individual level, at least subverting our culture and the ideology that upholds it, which is that we should all be quiet about it, you know, because no one wants to feel comfortable about this conversation. You know what I mean? That's what I can do on an individual level. And then on a social level and a structural level and societal level, there's a whole lot of other stuff that needs to happen. Um, yeah, I agree with most of what Dave said, um, but just adding to it as well, for us to have these conversations, like I was saying, people individually need to go and do their research, yeah. educate themselves, um, because it's hard for me to have a conversation with someone who doesn't even know, you know, the historical context of what I'm talking about, or who doesn't even know why I'm bringing it up in the first place. It's like, it's okay, yeah, exactly, and it becomes one of those things where you then water down the the main, you know, topic of what you're trying to discuss, or you divulge into, you know, some other topics that avoids the main issue. So stop being ignorant to, you know, what the main issue is. You know, don't 
start with white privilege and somehow we ended up with reverse racism. Yeah, or something I, I like that. In, I lived in Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah, I lived in Hong Kong for three years. Like, come on, man. Don't be racist. <laughs> so, um, just educating on an individual level, educating yourself, um, because when you have that, you're then able to call out whatever you see. And it's not about what you see on Twitter and reacting to that straight away or Instagram, you know? Don't just go and find something on there and react to it. Do proper research. Because people just go out and type whatever they want on those mediums. Do proper research. Do your Googles and... Um, yeah, I think, uh, like David said, it's going to be very difficult to actually, you know, address the whole white privilege stuff on a um, social level or at least on a political level in the country wide. But if each person does their job, then let's hope. <laughs> let's hope and pray. But yeah, just educating yourself is what I'll say. And yeah, I think on a fundamental level as well. Um, I said this last week as well, but I think one of the most important things is people need to be willing to just listen. Like even before you go out there and start doing all your research and that, if you, if a person of color, a black person, someone who experiences it at a distance is actually like, you know, taking a time out of their day to like tell you, explain to you, just listen. Like that's where it starts. Just listen. If you see something on the internet, like Adobe said, instead of just reacting to it to be defensive, maybe take, you know, a few seconds and try to understand what they're actually saying. Don't be like, you know, our friend over there with his three kids who decided to type up a whole essay, essay. completely missing the point. Yeah. So yeah, like for me, I think fundamentally, like, you know, people should just learn to listen. And listen to hear and understand, not just like listen to speak back. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, that's a great point because a lot of people today just want to listen so they have something to say back. It's listen so you actually get what... Yeah. You know, they're trying to say anything else you want to add or... All right, with that, we just want to wrap this up, man. Thank you guys for coming today, um, my wonderful guests. We'll just quickly do any plugs if anyone wants to plug. Yeah, David wants to plug something. David, No, I just up. want to say, like, they told me that this conversation was going to be about cricket. So, <laughs> I, they, you just ambushed me with this whole white privilege. We had to get you here somehow. Yeah, like, they were just like, <laughs> I don't know. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here, obviously, because, you know... But no, but seriously, um, <laughs> thank you so much for this opportunity um, to come on. I don't have anything to plug at Davido, Davido, my Instagram. Aww. So I don't know if I've just, if I've just blown up my own spot. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm culturally appropriating. But just, just a like, little sub-clarification of that, um, you know, it's hard to come up with like names, man, for for your Instagram handle, and I don't want it to be myself. Right? Exactly. So I just like my uncle used to call me Davido, not in like a you know Nigerian context, right? It's a very white guy. It's a very very white guy, um, and there's just a nice um, synchronicity with the Nigerian community. <laughs> That Davido is a thing. So then I've just like shocked that on there. So <laughs> don't at me about it, people. Don't at me about it. But if you want to at me about it, it's Davido.w. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All uh, right, nice one, man. Imogen, you want to go? Um, yeah, I just wanted to say thanks to everyone that had me here today. And yeah, I don't really want to put my Instagram on there. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Sorry. All right, that's cool. That's cool. Staying anonymous. And our big I'm, man over I'm there. tired. I'm tired of giving up my Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? You got, 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 got so many followers now. <laughs> That's why you're here, isn't it? <laughs> all them message requests, huh? Yeah, I'm tired of it. No, all right. But yeah, no. Look, this is. But yeah, like I said last week, this this month of talking about racism, I think would be very. 
um, inf- like be very educational, be very not so con- not so controversial, but more like we like it like it, it gives people a different perspective, and I think that's why I'm I'm really keen on you know on on this topic and yeah so yeah thank you to everyone for having me and to everyone who came until next time all right um yeah you can find his details on the uh description of this episode as well you know where to find our description as well we the hosts we're bias reality podcast don't forget to hashtag bias reality on instagram twitter and also check out our website biasreality.com also on instagram twitter and facebook um bias reality underscore um we'll see you guys next week stay blessed bye-bye what are we talking about next week Oh, next week we're going to be talking about interracial relationships and just all the different, you know, ways that, you know, race plays a part in those. So, yeah, listen up. All right, you heard the man. Tune in next week for another episode of Bias Reality. Peace out, people.